Hey everybody, welcome to the guest segment of the Common Sense Show. Thanks for staying with us through the intro. Really appreciate you. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a terrific show for you today here on the show that is Freeing America One Enslaved Mind at a Time, the Common Sense Show. We have Jamie Walden back. And, and ladies and gentlemen, i got to tell you, we're going to talk about something controversial. And it's a personal issue. And I'm not venting publicly, but I think there's a lot of people who could be in my position where they hear something from the pulpit and they question it. And they question it seriously. And it stays with you. And that sounds like, oh, I've been dealing with that too, Dave. And it might be a different issue, but I'm going to really encourage you to not accept everything you're told from the pulpit. Go to the Word. Go to advisors who are knowledgeable in the Bible and get advice. And this is what I'm in the process of doing. The nice thing is, is I get to share my experience uh, publicly on this issue. We're going to be talking about Peter 1, Romans 13, and how much should you submit to ungodly leaders? We're going to be getting into that. Before we join Jamie, though, we need to pay some bills. And I just want to say this very quickly here. We at the Common Sense Show turned down about 90% of the advertising that we're offered. And it doesn't mean they're not good products or reputable companies, but we choose people that we think need the products, that sell the products that we, our audience needs. And that's the main criteria. And then do they have integrity? And so you've noticed, you say, Dave, you've had a lot of your advertisers for years. Yeah, that's why. They do a good job and they're providing a valuable service. First of which is food. <coughs> Excuse me. If you do not know that the food situation in this country is dire, uh, let me just give you three things. Food supply chain broken, um, mega drought, and the meat packing plants still are not reopened to anywhere near capacity. We're in trouble. We're in big trouble. And you add inflation to that, fuel costs. Yeah, there you go. So you want to be sure you have food when you need it. If uh, the just-in-time delivery stop, well, then you need to go to MPS. It's the best food company I know of. They deliver on time, and they deliver every time, and they deliver a quality product. Tastes great. I've tasted it. Tastes like restaurant food. And uh, they give you 2,000 calories per day. They give you lots of variety and 25-year shelf life. It's fantastic. Go to preparewithdave.com. That's preparewithdave.com. And I'll tell you, one of the things I'm really worried about is when martial law comes, and it's coming because the people are waking up. This school board issue with critical race theory is really waking up the country. People are livid. And once they discover this one issue, it's going to snowball into other issues that's going to wake them up. How do I know? Because I went through it. When I was having my property stolen from me, then I realized, gee, there's a whole lot more going on in this country than I realized. And there's many doors into the new world order. And fortunately, school boards are providing an education experience that sometimes with audiences that I don't get to reach. And ladies and gentlemen, when we rise up, the other side's going to shut us down. Martial law, they're going to take away cell phones, internet, landlines. If you got the right sat phone, they're going to have a hell of a time shutting you down. They really are. And what I'm telling you you need to do is you need to look into the sat phone issue. I'm satisfied that when I have my sat phone, they won't be able to interfere with it unless they can physically take it out of my hands. Plus, when you're in environments where your cell phone's not working, well, you got your answer. There you go. It covers, what, 100% of the planet. I want you to give them a call, have a discussion with them. Tell them I told you to call 855. Are you listening to me? 855-938-5830. Ladies and gentlemen, the ad for this company, too, if you want to see more, 
is on the front page of the Common Sense Show at the top. And then one last thing. There's going to be an economic crisis. You can go into that crisis prepared and take minimal hits, shields up, so to speak. Or you can do nothing and just take a beating. Leaving all your money in the bank, well, that's doing nothing. Well, Noble Gold can help you reallocate. I know because I went from advertiser to customer. I am a customer of Noble Gold and I'm happy to be. And I feel I'm ready. And they're really helping people protect and shield their IRAs, their 401ks. But they have a whole lot more going on than that. If you call them and just say these words, Dave Hodges said, if I have assets to protect, I should have a conversation with you because we might want to do business. There'll be no pressure. They'll just answer your questions. I've always had to push them the final step to get them to act. They're trained not to pressure. Give them a call, 877-646-5347, 877-646-5347. So just like the Brits, we do our ads up front. Now we got a full shot with our guest, Jamie Walden, former combat veteran Marine, led the charge into Baghdad. Um, brave man, man of God. He brings unique, diverse perspectives to analyzing today's events, and he knows the Word of God, and I've asked him to come on to talk to me about uh, the direction I got from my church. Let me just lay this out very quickly. Pastor in my church, and I've always enjoyed him, always appreciated his messages until now, and he basically said, the leader of the government, you are obligated to submit, and that's the exact word he used, submit. He may not be a godly man, but he's God's man, and God has chosen him to be in that position at a time. It is your duty to submit. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, I said to my wife, because we weren't at the live service when he uh, presented this. We watched it online. And I said to my wife, isn't that the kind of logic they used in uh, Nazi Germany when they killed six million Jews? Jamie, welcome to the show. I've kind of set the stage for where we're going to go. It's always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Oh, man, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And that's definitely a loaded topic for sure. You know, I pastor a church here in Iowa and, uh, you know, I've been a part of several different church plants. And apart from the Marine Corps, you know, I, I served in law enforcement, both federal and a municipal mm -hmm. level before mm -hmm. doing fire EMS. Um, I have a background degree in law enforcement and justice administration, you know, and, and I I've spent the majority of my adult life in civil service before going into full time ministry in the mission field. And then now church planning and, and traveling and teaching and speaking and doing family emergency preparedness training and all these other things I do. But uh, um, it is scary to hear comments like that coming from the pulpit because they're so erroneously taken out of context that it's hard to believe that that there's um, men who have, wh whether or not God called them in that position or not, uh, if they were called or if they just chose it as a vocation, it's, it's scary to know that how how so overtly those scriptures could be taken out of context. You know, when we're looking at 1 Peter 2, 13 through 25, or Romans 13, the often quoted verses about submission to government. I mean, when you when you uh, use exegesis to look at these scriptures and you understand the historical context and the content with which they're speaking to in light of the totality, right, the preponderance of the evidence, the totality of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, there's absolutely no way that you could be blindly and with a dogma telling people you are to submit to all governing authorities regardless of who they are and what they are and what they stand for because that's what God's called you to. It's a complete, uh, it, well, I, I'll just say this. It's, it's abhorrent to the intent of the scriptures, right? So 
we are called to submit to those human institutions that are placed in authority over us, even like what it says in First Peter 2, whether it's to be an emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him. But listen to the caveat, because it's very particular language, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is God's will that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Here's what it's speaking to. This is very particular, Dave. This is very particular that these pastors don't want to deal with. The background to Second to First Peter 2 and also to Romans 13 was not talking about Christians rebelling against authorities per se, but it was how the Christians ought to rightly live in spite of the fact, this is so critical, it was for Christians to know how to rightly live in spite of the fact that non-Christians were actually inciting the authorities to take actions against the Christians because they said they were a threat to society. Sound familiar? Um, they yes. said the Christians, yes. the non-Christians, the pagan, the unbelieving world were inciting the governments to take action against Christians. They actually were oblivious. They're, they're like, what well, you know, Rome at the time was actually a pretty free society. They were egalitarian, right? They they had a they they had very similar to the U.S. They kind of accepted all religions equally. The Christians were not a threat to the Roman the Roman culture whatsoever. In fact, they were awesome. They loved them because they incur the Christians were encouraged each other to be good stewards, to be hard workers, to pay their taxes, to to uh, to to benefit the society around them. So they, they actually enjoyed this new movement of the way that was occurring in their cultural context. But what Peter is speaking to is how to rightly live in spite of a hostile culture that is stirring up the authorities to take actions against them. They were making accusations at the time that the Christians were disloyal to Caesar, that they were disrupting their livings, which they made off of trade by 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 producing things made from idols and, and gold and silver and things like that. They said that the, this new movement of Christianity had a hatred towards all mankind, i.e. Oh, uh, their anti-vaxxers and their anti-science. And they also said that it was a mischievous superstition that needed to be squatched. So the unbelieving world was trying to goad the government into taking action against the Christians. Here Peter, and then Paul in Romans 13 is telling the Christians, listen, Christians, be subject to the authorities in a way that's for your good. Listen, they, they're there for your good if you're doing good, and they're there to punish evil if they're doing evil. So what Peter says here very specifically is he says, submit yourselves to them. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say be obedient to them. Because he makes a very clear distinction that he's not talking about slavish, uncritical obedience to the state, but rather he is saying you submit to government, but you know it was like an it was like a non-issue, but you know ultimately you're obedient to God. So you submit to, but you're obedient to. So you submit to them when they're in right ruler, when they're in agreement with the Lord, because they ought to be God created government to be an institution by which good is upheld and right restraints are placed on people and by which p uh, bad is punished accordingly with a justice system. So, so, why, so why would you ever push back against that? Those are good institutions. However, when they, when they actually flip-flop the roles, when they call good evil and evil good, when they act with an impunity and injustice towards the things, when they act lawless, and when they legislate lawlessness, 
your ultimate obedience is to the true and better government, the government of the of the Lord God of the heavens armies, the government of the most high, the true and better magistrate is where your obedience has to reside. And this is the context, this great juxtaposition that a lot of these, these puppeteers in the pulpits, they don't want to deal with. And I'll tell you why, Dave, it's plain and simple. It's straight up baseline monetary gain. There you it's, go. It's, it's the love of Maimon. It's, it's just, ba- yeah. there's no big ultra they're not ignorant of the scriptures most of them aren't some of them could be right but it's just straight up old school uh the love of money and the love of the world and the things of the world and we're told that anybody who loves the world are the things of the world the love of the father is not in them you know and so and so for fear of government reprisals which government reprisals equals economic reduction, right? Their, their reality, they'll have an economic reduction in their reality. For fear of reprisals from the government, they acquiesce and go along to get along, which is abhorrent to the Lord. It's actually an anathema to what the scriptures have called us to, which is to live as elect exiles of the dispersion and to advance the true and better kingdom to serve as ambassadors of this true and better kingdom with true and better government and true and better everything, right? While we're in this hostile territory, but that's what these guys in the pulpits don't want to do. They want to go along to get along. Why? Because it fits their bottom line, which is a love of self and a love of pleasure and having the form of godliness and denying the power thereof and loving the things of the world more than their concern with the glory of the king and the gospel that sets dead men free. Yeah, I, I'm shaking my head at what I, the words of that pastor are echoing in my head still. Um, the other thing he did say in there, um, it's not your, I'm going to paraphrase now because I, I wish I had my exact notes here, but I, he said it's not up to you to bring justice to corrupt leaders that you have to trust that uh, God will take care of that himself. I don't have so much of a problem with that, except again, okay, he's saying he's using another avenue to close you off from disobedience from government when it conflicts with God. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, we got Obama's 43%, Obama, excuse me, may as well be Biden's 43% capital gains tax. Um, I have to abide by that, okay? It's coming out of, I don't think it's a legitimate government, but it is the government. And so I have to abide by that. I do not have to abide by sanctioning and condoning or honoring abortion. I will not. It's murder of innocent lives. And I will not condone that. I will not stop speaking out against it. In fact, Jamie, you may not know this, but, you know, is I have a friend in high-ranking federal law enforcement. He gave me a document, and I published it on my website, and it's from uh, DHS. And it's a hand-me-down from Biden to the head of DHS that was shared with the employees. And it's non-classified, so I'm able to talk about it. And it basically says this, and I'll paraphrase. If you question election integrity, you're a domestic terrorist. If you question government's overreach, that means unconstitutional behavior, you're considered to be what they call um, violent domestic extremist, VDE, or which is really code word for domestic terrorist. And what I'm saying here is that if I listen to this pastor, I can't challenge all the illegitimate things my government's doing when they break their own laws. That's basically what he's saying. 
Yeah. Yep. And, and that's, and there is, there's a couple good points that you brought up. One, one, I am in agreement with you. What, what you said at the beginning there is like, because it's, because it's biblically based. Like, listen, when John the Baptist came on the scene and he started introducing Christ and he said, he said that he didn't speak of Jesus as one who was there with over overthrow Rome but Jesus was the one who was there to take away the sins of the world. So there is there is this important distinction again in, in this context that we need to have a biblical context and know and understand that. Listen, Deuteronomy 32, right? Like the, the nations of the world were divided according to the sons of God. The sons of God means like these angels, right? These rebel angels. But it said, but God chose for himself Jacob, Israel. The whole world lies in the evil one. There's no such thing as an American nation. I mean American nation, a Christian nation. America is not a Christian nation. America is a nation that has Christians in it, you know, at, at one time predominantly. But China has Christians in it and Syria and Yemen and Oman and, and North Korea has Christians in it. The whole world lies in the evil one. So, again, what we have oftentimes is we have this this tension because we have this this um, collision of two kingdoms right the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of the earth and we have to know and understand that all the kingdoms of the earth are hostile towards his kingdom they set themselves up against the, the most high they say we will not have this man rule over us they break his bonds asunder they shake their fists at the most high the the whole world is literally at war against God's kingdom so by default, the majority of these institutions are. That's not God's intention. That's just a part of the curse and the fall, right? So with this, with this tension, we have this carnal pendulum swing. To the one side, we either enter into like a defiant, rebellious attitude towards all government institutions. And it's from like a skewed sense of faulty patriotism or faulty self-aggrandizement, you know. But to the other, the other pendulum swing is total acquiescence to everything that's grievous to the Lord and grievous to his right, perfect government, government, right? And we have this submission to all these government institutions from a skewed sense of faulty loyalty and self-preservation. So one is self-aggrandizement. The other one's self-preservation. Uh, self, self and in the middle, the Lord's going, listen, my commands and decrees, my laws, my statutes, my ethos, my codes of conduct will remain from everlasting to everlasting. All these other institutions, they are going to go by the white wayside and they're going to they're going to burn up. So be obedient to my institution, be obedient to my government. Now, where your government is ruling and reigning with right order, right restrictions are good. Actually, this is God. I'm speaking. God loves government. People need to know and understand that. God loves government from Genesis three and Genesis two. He lays out government. The family is government. The structure of a household is government. The reason why there's 12 uh, tribes and there's 12 apostles and there's a 12 stones on the ephod and in the new and the new Jerusalem, all the 12 foundation stones, 12, 12, 12, all er, that number 12, that biblical numerology of 12 is perfect, complete government. So God absolutely loves government. He has the true and better government because, you know, when you remove all restrictions, what do you have, Dave? You have chaos. Yeah, you have anarchy. And when, yeah. yeah, you have chaos and anarchy. And when you have nothing but restrictions, you have tyranny. So what God says is, listen, here's where freedom rings loudly. 
This is where liberty, this is the gospel, right? This is where liberty rings loudly, is where there's right restrictions. That's where freedom rings. That's where the bell tones of liberty are ringing loudly is in the place of right restrictions. So now, so now what happens when you have a government that legislates things that are in opposition to God's law? You know, what, what's a, what happens when the government legislates that my kids be immersed and sexualized with all manner of perversions and they say they will be or if you take them out of school now they're not in school now cps is going to come take your kids from you or you will vaccinate them or we're going to take your kids from you or they will be exposed to critical race theory or we're going to take your kids from you or you will take a portion of your money a quote unquote tithe of your money and you and it will be given to undergird the mass murder of children, which is what God judged Israel for and the other ancient nations in, in times past, you know? It's like, what do we do in that sense? Well, we only have one obligation, and that's obedience to the true and better government, not submission to these worldly, worldly ones. But again, we have such a skewed perspective oftentimes in the church. Like I said, we, we do that pendulum swing, right? It's like either we're like rah, rah, patriotism, like, yeah, I'm all, and it's like, to those guys, I go, listen, if you're in Christ, I get that, right? I'm a Marine, I'm a police officer, but like I'm all about civil service. But that's not my identity. My hope's not in those things in a democratic republic. I'm a monarchist. Are you kidding me? I belong to a king and a kingdom. I'm a monarchist. I'm not a democratic republic Republican, but but I'm willing to contend for wherever there's freedom's sake, I will contend for that, right? I'm not gonna acquiesce to it. But the other pendulum swing is to just be an acquiescent coward who's complacent, which the Bible speaks multiple times about woe to the complacent. The waywardness of, simp of the simple will destroy them, and the complacency of fools will be their ruin, you know? Well, we see a lot of that today, and there's no question. We usually call it cognitive dissonance, but it's the same thing. Absolutely. It's the exact and same so thing. I, I get... I get I get this question asked all the time, David. I'm sure you you do too. They say, you know, I, I go and teach um, all over the nation. I travel all over the nation. I, I do a couple different things, but but I I get asked this almost no matter what my subject matter is that that I may be instructing on. I always get asked. So so Jamie, what what do I need to be doing right now? Like in light of the fact of this hostile territory, this hostile nation, right? The globalistic uh, rising, this this um, coming to fruition of, of, of the new age of Atlantis and the golden age of the gods and all this Adam Wessop, Sir Francis Bacon, New Atlantean age and the purpose of the uh, the 13 colonies running parallel to what the Puritans were doing and, and all of it's breaking out in real time, right? The rise of Apollo and Osiris and Nimrod and, and what the Vatican's doing with the ecumenical movement and then what the government's of the world right we see this thing all coming in the full swing and i get asked this all the time what are we supposed to be doing and here's my answer and i and it's not it's not um it's not a popular answer <laughs> uh -huh. and i go i go how in the world am i supposed to know what you're supposed to be doing how about you do business with the lord and you ask what you should be doing i said daniel was submissive to his government but yet he was he was meek and boldly criminal under Nebuchadnezzar. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were good stewards in their position. They actually worked for the betterment of Babylon, yet, and they were respectful, yet they 
they disregarded the laws of the land and they too were deemed critical. Joseph was enslaved, yet he worked to advance Egypt, right? Esther was endeared to the king, yet she was defiant unto death. She went right into his, his presence, breaking the laws of the land. Moses actually murders another Egyptian. He physically pushes a back against the authorities under which he was subjected to, yet he would, and, and, and yet later he would lead what would be called by their government a rebellion and an insurrection when he drew out all the slaves out of Egypt, right? Samson undermined and sabotaged the Philistines, and Phineas ran a spear for, through the high priest and his Moabite wife. That would be considered murder under law, yet God says, I'm accrediting that to him as righteousness, and with him in his household, I'll make a covenant forever. It goes on and on and on. Nehemiah and Ezra worked for the betterment, and they, they were actually given favor by a pagan lawless government. But then you have Paul, or you have Peter, or you have the first century church who Paul was actually applied Roman, Roman, his Roman citizenry. He applied the laws accurately, yet he was also civilly disobedient. When they said, don't say that, don't do that again, he said, is it for me to serve you rather than God? If, if, if I served man, I cannot be a servant of God, right? You have the church of Acts. They were always respectful of the government, always, always respectful. I mean, even when the prison doors were thrown thrown open, they remained in there, right? And and they abide by all the Roman rule and law, except for when it went against God's natural law. And it goes all the way through with Christ Jesus being the true and better example of it all. Here he is giving the commands to undergird, to be submissive to these institutions. At the same time, he says, hey, go out and buy a sword. Hey, sell everything and buy a sword. Hey, how many swords do we have among us? Two? Okay, we're good to go. We have two swords among us. Well, again, exegesis in the scriptures, and no one understanding the context, the sword, there's three different words for sword in the Greek. The one that's used there in the translation is a very particular type of sword. In fact, under Roman law, it would be an assault weapons band because it was the sword that was only allowed to be carried by the Roman centurions. If you were found in possession of it, it was punishable by death because it was a quote-unquote assault weapons band. And here you have hmm. the king of glory who is without sin, spotless and blameless so that he's the perfect propitiation for his sin, commanding his followers to have a sword among them. Why? How? How could he be perfect and spotless yet be defying the laws of the land? Well, because it goes back to Genesis and Numbers and Deuteronomy about God's, God's law superseding that, which is to be a defender of the innocent and of the least of these and of a protector. His father's law superseded the Romans law. He gives the command, have, make sure we got two swords around us. All right, we got two, we're good to go. Wow, that's, that's quite the history. And it's funny, the parallels, isn't it? That we get uh, God's law, we get uh, common law, and we get weapons bans. Uh, that's pretty interesting that the Romans banned certain weapons. Yeah. So, so any pastor that shuttered their doors during the COVID, I like, I get it initially before we understood what it was really going to be. Right? There's grace in there. I get it. We, we, you know, there was a lot of misinformation, disinformation the first two or three months. Right? But they should have been good stewards and done their research and know how to shepherd their flocks and navigate them through through the craggy cliffs and through the dark valleys right in the treacherous terrain where there's where there's bears and lions seeking to eat their sheep they should have been doing their due diligence so so I, I give them grace at the beginning but listen if you're shuttering your churches and you're telling your people to mask up 
and you're telling your people to, you know, abide by all these different, if, if you're undergirding BLM, that's lawlessness, you know, or what fellowship can there be between light and darkness or between lawlessness and righteousness? You cannot drink from the cup of demons and the cup of Christ at the same time. If there's any pastor who shuttered their doors or even remotely blacked out their Facebook page or undergird BLM in any way whatsoever, I say flee from those churches because they are an open insurrection not against the government but they're an open insurrection against the government and that's a very important distinction to make we're told to not forsake the gathering of the saints even more so as we see the day of the lord approaching you better obey that law we're 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 told that we now with unveiled faces reflect the glory of christ jesus you better not cover that faith they hate the image of god that's why they want you to wear a mask it's a mask trauma-based, mind-control, occultic endeavor that's going on over the face of the world right now, right? We're, we're called to have no fellowship with darkness or light or lawlessness, right? We're, we're called not to be unevenly, unevenly yoked, to not love the world or the things of the world. And yet you have these pastors that want to be so progressive and so woke, they'll do anything for one little ounce of relevancy to, the, to this sick world around them. They, they don't care what it costs them, right? And so again, it goes back to those nuances of submitted to, yes, I'm in agreement with that, but obedient to, that's the true and better example, right? Wow. I, you know, I'm just, I'm getting an education here. I'll just say that um, this goes much deeper. Let, let me return to the original premise, and it's this. Um, I see government doing something wrong. At what point do I back away, refuse to condone, participate, and what's the proper way to refuse? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, so here's here's an important distinction to make: is that no matter how how lawless our governing authorities are, we are not given credence or justification through the scriptures to in turn be lawless. Does that make sense? Like. Like just because they're insurrectionary doesn't mean we get to be insurrectionary or because they're vile doesn't mean we get to go, okay, now I'm justified in being vile in response. In fact, if you finish out the verses in First Peter, you know, it talks about being called even sometimes to suffer unjustly because we're conscious of Christ. It says to suffer unjustly because we're conscious of Christ. But then it says that Christ has set an example for you by he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. And he was reviled, but he did not revile in return. And he suffered, but he did not threaten. He continually entrusted himself to his father who was going to judge justly. And he says he's given you an example on that. So just because our government is sick and lawless and rebel doesn't go, mean that we necessarily run and take up arms and overthrow, right? The Lord is the one who overthrows. He says, I build up and I tear down. He says, can calamity come upon a nation unless I've, I've decreed it? He says, I plant and I uproot nations. This is what I do. He actually, this is what the church needs to know and understand, especially those that, that maybe have more of a patriotism-based bent, which I'm not diminishing that. I'm just saying keep it in its right context. God says, I have put this wicked rule over you for my wrath. The Lord, is, these guys don't have any power other than what God's given them. It might look like they have power, but listen— they're a reflection of us. They're a reflection of the spirit of the nation. They're a reflection of the spirit of the people. And God goes, oh, you want a king? You want? Listen, 
We got Obama because that's what we wanted. You get what I'm saying? Like, like that's what we were owed. And you want to know why we got Joe Biden? We got Joe Biden because the cowardice of the Christians that when I was in D.C. on January 6th on the Capitol steps, saving Capitol Police officers' lives, it was the Christians who condemned me for being out there saying that that, that was lawless. I'm like, you, you, you have no clue what it looks like to live righteously and actually stand in the gap on behalf of justice and, and goodness and righteousness, right? So, I mean, it, it's, just, it's just insane how divergent we become from the reality of the scriptures and of what, what godly character and manhood looks like. And so, you know, Daniel is a good example. Shadrach, Meshach is a good example. Esther's a good example. All those ones I kind of ran down earlier is that they, when the government did something that was in direct opposition to God's commands, they, they were civilly disobedient. And actually, according to the laws of the land, they were criminals. They were insurrectionary, they were rebellious, and they were criminals, actually punishable by death. Every single one of them was punishable by death, but they did it anyways. And because of their civil obedience, because they were conscious of God, it actually led to, the, to God being glorified and more people coming to know him. So when we do it God's way, we're not going to be disappointed, whatever it looks like. We're not going to be disappointed. So go back to my situation and other people who are listening right now that say that I have a problem with what was preached from the pulpit of my church. What would you recommend they do? What, what steps would you recommend they follow? Because I'm sure there's a chronology of confrontation. Yeah, there is. Yeah, that, there is a chronology of confrontation. There's there's a biblical way to handle it, right? We're, we're, talked to, we're told to not, not let any unwholesome speech come out of our mouths, but only what is useful for building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. You know, we, we have this this chronology of conflict, like we're supposed to, you go to your church leader and you say, hey, I, you, you know, I, I heard this that you were preaching. Can you give me some context for it? Can you give me some content? Do you, what, what do you believe about the government's role, whatever the case is? And if they are deliberately defiant to what the scriptures say, which they will be, right? Because we're, we're told prophetically that the way of truth will come into disrepute and that pastors greedy for unjust gain, it says they will not tolerate sound doctrine. So don't be surprised, right? Don't be surprised if you try to address it in a way that you're really trying to bear out fruit and you're trying to gain context and understanding. Don't be surprised if they, they poo-poo it or kind of reject it or say that you're you're just uh, you're an error or whatever the case is. But yeah, I, I would address it with them. And then if that if they aren't willing to hear it, then then we're told to come back with two or more people to address it in some more context. And if they're still uh, so prideful that they're immovable on what the totality of the character of God is regarding that issue, then I would say by all means you ought to leave because you, they now are testifying that they are no longer, they're not a good shepherd, they're actually a hireling. And a hireling will flee when it sees the wolves coming. And Dave, you know this too. Like, listen, we can't take, we, we got to have even bigger co context for this stuff too. We know about the clergy response teams, right? Yes. We know about the Marxism indoctrination into the seminaries. We know about critical race theory through the Gospel Coalition and the Southern Baptist Convention. Listen, there's full on war for the tainting of the purity of the scriptures so that 
you will acquiesce to government. The whole beast system that's coming into play in the end times is that government is God. What does Marxism and communism say? Government is God. Government and Christianity can't, authentic Christianity, cannot coexist. So here's what's going on right now in real time. It's just like China. A super church is emerging, but it is a state-sanctioned super church. It is state-sanctioned Christianity. There's all the wokeism and all the perversions and all the twisting of scriptures that is perfectly palpable to the majority of professing Christians to where it sounds right, it kind of looks right, and it kind of tastes right, but all the while it's completely leading you astray, which is exactly what Jesus warned his disciples about regarding his second coming. See to it that you are not deceived, because many are going to come in my name saying, yeah, Jesus is the Christ, but don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. The way of truth will come into disrepute, they won't tolerate sound doctrine, They'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of me. They'll have the form of godliness. They'll deny the power thereof. They'll always be learning, but they'll never come to understand the truth. They will fabricate stories because they're greedy for unjust gain. And they will say, we're wealthy and in need of nothing. And yet God is going to say, you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, and I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. That's the church of Laodicea. Hmm. That's, that's just amazing here. Um, I have a clear picture of what I'm going to do. And I tell you, I've been contacted by some people in the church. There'll be no trouble getting two or more people to follow me. Um, when you deal with church hierarchy, is it appropriate only to deal with the person you have the issue with, or should it become a supervisory situation that you bring it to their immediate supervisor? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times, you know, most churches structures, they have some form of leadership, you know, built in and they have deacons or overseers or a board of elders, whatever the case is. And yeah, it's not necessarily that you have to go right at the pastor. And a lot of times the pastors are beholden to the board. I mean, if if they're living, if they're actually walking out the scriptures and they're not just there because they're high income earners who have had successful businesses, which generally, if you notice, 90 nine percent of all boards are made up of the highest income earners in that church it has nothing to do with their walk with the lord are their godly uh wisdom and understanding are their humility it has everything to do with how successful they've been in the world that's generally who pastors choose to be on their board um but yeah you can approach the the other types of or forms of leadership in your church and say hey listen this is an issue like i need some clarity on what's going on and and where we're at and we're you all intend to lead this church giving all the political and cultural tumult going on in our nation i think that that's a fair way to handle it yeah that's uh i just i'll tell you i have no feeling for how this is going to turn out and usually i do and i'm sure other people do too and some people i've had a couple people reach out to me because i talked about this in another venue and people are fearful about approaching their pastors and i don't think they should be no, that's terrible. You know, I was taught in the Marine Corps that, you know, setting the example is your number one leadership uh, uh, character attribute. But they said, as soon as you lose your approachability, you are no longer uh, you are no longer a leader. You may be in leadership, but you're no longer a leader as soon as you lose your approachability, you know. And and this is the other thing to remember, too, Dave, is that that we're specifically told about the powers of darkness that they masquerade as ministers of righteousness. 
They, they transform themselves in the beans of light. They masquerade as ministers of righteousness. So when I hear these, I mean, I, I came out of a church quick because I started hearing very, very particular new neuro-linguistic catchphrases that I knew because I study were, were straight out of the Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030 scripts. Straight out of their scripts. And I'm hearing it from the pulpit. Things like community, 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 community coming out of the rural areas and into the cities because that's where God wants. Jesus went to the cities. So if you live in, I actually heard my pastor say, if you live in the rural area or the suburbs, you're, you don't know the gospel and you're probably not saved because Jesus went to the cities, right? We kept hearing about this unity thing and about this ecumenism. And he started changing his language, talking about the, we are the Catholic church, but don't let that freak you out. That just means universal church. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. You mean like the Pope and the Mormons and the Iman and the Orthodox Russian and Greek church getting together and talking about them now being the new Catholic church. That's fun. So, so if we know and understand what we're hearing, like you did, obviously Dave instantly, the warning beacons ought to be going off in our heads going, uh Oh, my leadership, what I've entrusted myself to may not be who I think they are. And that's why it's critical that we know and understand the power of the clergy response teams and of these doctrines. It says they're doctrines of demons that bring the way of truth into disrepute. It says that the powers of darkness masquerade as ministers of righteousness. They transform themselves. This is war. And we are living in hostile territory. And the only way to navigate the hostile territory is by having an unrestrained, consecrated life to the Lord where we're constantly washing and renewing our minds by his word and walking according to the spirit, not what men are saying, but what the word and the Lord is saying. Because heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away, is what God says. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's something that really has stuck with me through the years, too. Um, how common do you think these feelings that I'm having are, the ambivalent feelings? Is it common in most churches, or do people just close their eyes and just hope things get better? What, 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 tell me your perception of this. Yeah, I would say it's it's a little bit of both. There's onesies and twosies in every church that their spirits in, in total, like, you know, they're like Lot in, uh, in Second Peter 2, where it says he was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard in the city. And it's like they're sitting in these churches going, oh, no, oh, no, oh, why do you say that? Why are we doing that? Why would it, Why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we saying that, right? But they don't know where else to go. But I would say, no, I, I know, I, I stand by this. You know, I've been in full-time ministry now for a while. That 90, 98.5% of people in churches aren't honestly there because they want to know the Lord. And 98.5% of those who are filling the seats in churches are there for for um, ulterior motives or they're they're just, you know, in ignorance or it's a cultural thing that they do or or it's for self. They like the way it makes them feel not as guilty as they did, you know, the night before, whatever the case is. And so when they hear these sound bites, they actually love them 
because they can self-validate by them. I can virtue signal when I am woke. I can virtue signal that I'm all about BLM. I can virtue signal that I'm wearing my mask and, and, and shouting my, my vaccination. I can virtue signal when I don't stand against LGBT. I'll just, I'll just be, I'll just omit. I'll just be quiet. I just won't say anything. And, and so if you realize all these are actually testifying to the prophetic scriptures that they will be lovers of self. So all this ends up being about self-preservation and self-aggrandizement. So going along to get along is all about self. It's self-preservation because when you stand up or when you stick up, you usually end up getting hammered back down. And so there's actually a degree of persecution that comes with just standing on the basics of biblical truths. You'll, be, you'll find more often than not that inside the church you will be persecuted. Now, remember who killed Jesus. Yeah. It was not the Romans. It was the religious spirited Jews who killed Jesus. It was the Pharisees and the guard. They wanted it done. They wanted Barabbas, not Jesus. It's the religion will always persecute faith, always. And it, we're actually told that they will put you to death and believe that they're doing God's work. So, I, I mean, you'll see it lived out in real time. And, and even with all these different cultural pressures, it's only getting worse and worse and worse. Like everything is getting exposed right now. And I can't even imagine when the next pressure comes, if this Ebola thing runs out like a, like a lot of people are speaking about, or this great economic reset collapse, or, you know, any of these other major pressures and the, the impending false flags, you know, each little pressure is exposing where people are at before a holy God more and more and more. So, I mean, in a way it's like, cool. Now we can tell who's who, right? I, I thought we, I th wheat and tear, wheat and tares grow up together and they look exactly the same until right at harvest time. Then you can tell by the fruit produced on the heads that they're actually two different things, but they wheat a head of wheat and a head of tares look identical until the very last minute. And that's what we're seeing right now. That is absolutely incredible. That's uh, so well put. It really is. You know, what I've reflected on when you were speaking, too, about drawing the line between you and illegitimate doctrine uh, or illegitimate application of doctrine was what's going on in China. How yeah. could anyone say you should support those people? Well, it's not... It's not a godly man, but it's God's man. He put him in charge. Xi Ping, yeah, let's kill the Christians. Let's, let's imprison the Uyghurs. Let's torture them. Let's do live organ transplants with no anesthetics while people die. Um, the, when you carry what this person, this pastor, set out to its final conclusion, he's condoning evil in the worst sense, in my humble opinion. Yeah, not only that, but he's calling good Evil, evil and yeah. evil good and he's training bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter and that's why the lord he said he says i will not be mocked if you sow according to the flesh you will reap destruction but if you sow according to the spirit you will reap peace everlasting it's like god's not going to be mocked by these wokester you know culturally relevant emotionally predatory pastors and at the end of the day that's what they are they're predators they're emotionally predatory they prey on people's emotion they go from emotional high to emotional high because they are lovers of self that the the, the majority of, of people in pulpits are lovers of self and the congregants are lovers of self. So it's this self-feeding, perverse, positive feedback loop that's going on in the pulpits. 
And like at the end of the day, the Lord has never required of us blind, ignorant obedience to governmental systems of this world. But he's only ever required of us is an, an entrusted obedience to his will and wisdom as elect exiles in this hostile territory. That's what he's laid out for us. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty amazing. So let's deal with just degrees of things, because I don't think there's a matter of degrees. I think it's black and white. But, but let's just take Biden's tax policy, okay? True or false? I'm obligated to follow it because I'm submitting to proper authority. True, absolutely true. Yeah, I agree with it. Okay, but um, you must support abortion. You can't protest against it. Absolutely false. Because that's in DHS documents now, by the way. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't know and if so you've seen you, those or so not, we, but... We will be, you, just by by literally possessing a Bible when when the Equality Act gets passed, which it will, you're, you're a criminal. I mean, get, get over it already. You, you are insurrectionary. You are rebellious. You are civil. You, you are actually, and you are actually fully criminalized according to the statutes and the law of the land. So you are criminalized by this government, but guess which government gives you a commendation? the government of the most high and the true and better magistrate. It says, if you suffer unjustly because you're conscious of Christ, it is to your commendation. That's the totality of the scriptures in first Peter two about submission to government. It, it, it is your, you know what a commendation is, Dave? That's a military medal pinned upon your chest mm -hmm. because he is the captain of the heaven's armies, the captain of our salvation, the Lord God of the heaven's armies. You're called to fight the good fight of the faith. You're told to don your armor, the armor of God, because the nature of the warfare is so savage in this hostile land that it requires God's literal armor just to stand and withstand. You're told to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word as divine power to the tearing down of strongholds and every false pretense that sets itself up against knowledge of God. And he's like, listen, get in the fight. The fight for the true and better government, the fight for the freedom of, well of those who are under oppression, the yeah. fight for the souls of men, the fight for the innocent. Get in the fight. Now, you are going to be reviled, mocked, scoffed, and hated by all men on account of my name. But I will give you a commendation. I don't care what they try to pin on you. Look at what I'm going to pin on you. Yeah, pretty pretty amazing stuff. I mean, it really is. Are most large churches, are, are they part of the clergy response team? Yeah, I'd say most, not all. So, you know, you can't can't really paint everybody with the same brush. How can brush, you find out? How could you find most. out? Well, I'm sorry? How could you find that out? I don't think you can, really. I mean, they sign NDAs and everything else and, and all these non-disclosure stuff. They're sworn to secrecy. But here's what you can do is you can be informed about the language of what they study and what they read. All, really, all you have to do is read Gospel Coalition stuff or, uh, you know, the stuff coming out of the, the Southern Baptist Convention. Read the UN documents. Read the the, the uh, highlights coming out of the Davos and the World Economic Forum. And when you know and understand their language, you will hear it. And the majority of pulpits, you will hear the catchphrases. And yep. then you'll know. You'll know who they serve. And you cannot serve two masters you cannot love no, you the lord right. and Absolutely. money you can't serve two masters one of my uh, fellow churchgoers even said to me it sounded like it's a cya excuse the expression his words a cya for 501c3 and uh, appeasing the government and i totally agree jamie we're flat out of time i want to thank you so much for joining us um 
really, really good stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me on, brother. It's always a pleasure. Okay, look forward to the next time, my friend. Thanks.